Welcome to Trailblazing Entrepreneurs, the podcast series from Salesforce App Exchange. In this series, we chat to world-class entrepreneurs and founders and explore their journey as well as share practical insight to build successful businesses. I'm your host, Sandra Peignot, Director of the ISV Business at Salesforce. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Doran Serban. Uh, Doran is the CEO and founders of Dot Compliance. Dot Compliance is an innovative quality management software platform specifically designed for the life science and healthcare industry. Hi, Doran. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I've been looking forward to this podcast. And uh, so I'm just going to kick in. So I recently uh, read that uh, Israel has got the highest venture capital density per capita in the world, which is much higher than the US. And it's often referred as the new Silicon Valley. Um, so in your mind, Doran, why is that so many sort of startup and investment in Israel? First, I think it's, uh, there are uh, different innovation hubs all over the world, in India, in, uh, in the US, obviously, there are specific hubs. And we are lucky to be in, in a small ecosystem, you know, around uh, Israel and Tel Aviv that has uh, a few features that make it really interesting and, and, and provides the right, let's say, climate for founders and for new innovative technologies. And in order to look at this, you know, it's, uh, this is not like an history uh, uh, lesson, but uh, it's, it's something related to, to the combination of uh, a lack of uh, natural resources. So traditionally, Israel was an island in, in, in many terms from a political uh, perspective. And with lack of resources and, and lack of large markets that are close to you, Israeli companies and Israeli founders had to think out of the box, use the the leverage that we do have, which is technology that was uh, starting. Some of it was originally, you know, uh, defense technologies that were transformed into uh, civil or other solutions that are more commercials. But in general, the, the idea that you have an ecosystem uh, with people that can support each other and uh, people that can, you know, support others in that ecosystem. And I got support from many entrepreneurs that were, were really glad to help. So the fact that you have some, some community around it and that the focus is on, on, uh, on being innovative and trying to solve problems with less resources. So sometimes the lack of resources in a, is an advantage because it forces you to think out of the box in a way. Yeah, no, I think you, you, you touch on a couple of really interesting points, which is how you turn something which is on paper maybe seen as a deficit or a, an obstacle, I think, how you turn this into your benefit. But one of the things you mentioned, which is actually interesting, is uh, what happens when you have a small market and from day one you need to start to think about international expansion is probably the thing you have to think from day one, right? Because your, your market is quite small, so I need to go outside. So uh, how did you sort of, I guess, address this and what would be some of your advice to some of our entrepreneurs out there, which potentially come from a smaller region and we need to look outside for growth for their business? So uh, my, uh, my background personally was working for a company called Nice Systems, which is a, a global company. And, and the fact that I had the opportunity to work uh, for a global company when I started my own business really, uh, you know, uh, paved me the way to, uh, to think uh, strategically on, on other markets. Just by being part of this ecosystem and being exposed to, 
international operations, that gave me the opportunity to start from, you know, from the beginning, design it to be an international business. When you work in a small area and you have some limitations, the first thing that you need to think is about, you know, proving your product market fit. And you can do that in a, in a, in a, in a small environment. You can do that with the companies that are close to you. So out of our 10 first clients, there were several that were just about one or two miles from those uh, offices at the beginning. And the reason for that is that we, in the same way that we have a live startup ecosystem, we also have a very interesting and innovative life sciences. And there's a lot of innovative Israeli companies in medical device. There is uh, uh, digital health is a big thing these days in Israel. You have also uh, companies in cell therapy and advanced therapeutics that are really cutting edge technology. And that's part of the most exciting part of my job, you know, to come and, and, and speak with people that deal with life-saving technology that are, you know, some of it is really uh, science fiction sometimes. So the ability to work as an entrepreneur within your initial network to establish the product market fit and get the first referenceable customers that can say, yes, this solution really solves a problem that we have. There's a couple of points there, I think. Um, so you mentioned about achieving product market fit, and then you talk about the passions about new innovation sort of really comes quite clearly when we speak to you. So just talk to me a little bit about how did you come up with the ideas of you know, doing something around sort of compliance and, and quality management for healthcare? Was it your background or was it something that interested you? So, you know, like most things, uh, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's always coincidence and uh, in, in my case, uh, this is my fifth business in life. And one of the uh, firms that I uh, founded was a consulting firm that was the, the basis for Dot Compliance. As a consultant, I was involved in a, in a large digital transformation program for uh, a large pharmaceutical and medical device company. And it was a good project. I mean, you know, we did what we had to do. Everybody were happy. But then again, in the end of the, the project, I said, hmm, there must be a better way to do it. And this is where, you know, you hear the tick. You know, there is something that, that leads you to understanding that you have a, something, a, a different solution to the problem that those organizations are facing. And in my case, the problems was, you know, complexity. So quality and compliance in life sciences is really complex. And the innovative approach for that would be trying to take all of the barriers that exist in doing, you know, true digital transformation for life sciences and just deal with them one by one. So if it's a uh, if it's related to infrastructure and you know disaster recovery and and all of that uh, IT purposes, you can go and partner with a company or a platform like Salesforce and give you know state of the art platform for that and also integrate that with other solutions in in this ecosystem. If it's about knowledge, if it's about the ability to re-engineer your processes, so this is where we come as dot compliance and look at best practices shared with our community. I can say that uh, 30 or 40% of the features that we actually add to our product on every release are based on, on you know, clients' specific requirements. I really like it when, when, uh, when a client says, yo, I really like the product, but... And I say, okay, I'm, I'm listening. Well, what is the but? Let's find the but and let's make it to, to a, 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 you know, a full good reason to, to continue using our solution and expand our solution. 
And then additional things are like, you know, complexity of uh, testing a solution, complexity of deployment, even just, you know, when you deploy something in a life sciences environment, you need to change your procedures. And we decided, hey, this is being a problem for our clients. Let's give them, you know, a sample. Let's give them like an accelerator. The idea of solving those problems that prevents life sciences organizations, whether it's small, medium or larger organizations, to fully leverage the, the benefits of technology. This is our ready to use approach, meaning that we must you know, uh, actively make our solution available immediately, immediately to clients to be ready to use, meaning that they can start using it. And this is, makes us the fastest uh, uh, quality and compliance uh, solution provider in the industry, which is uh, working very well for us. So let's go back to that libel moment, the moment you said, that tick you said, you know, I know it, there is something in there. How did you know you come across the good one, right? The one that actually is going to make a difference. I didn't know. I had a few others. This is the one that survived. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> you always have ideas, you know, being, being an entrepreneur, you, you, you look at the world and you have these little glasses saying, yeah, hmm, there's something, you know, people are doing something for a reason. And why they're doing it? Is there a better way to do it? And if, if you look at this, uh, at problems or challenges uh, with, the, with that approach, you will get a lot of ideas. However, ideas are good, but ability to execute is even better. So you have to find an idea that you can execute on. And you have to build the right team, get the right talents around you, define the right vision of, you know, how you want to, to, to achieve your goals. And that's really what we're trying to do. So, Doran, I'm going to take you back to this. Um, so, your concept, you talked about these sticking ideas of, I know exactly what it is. And I think there's a, probably an element of, I don't know, luck or judgments about, you know, one of the mayday ideas that's going to make it. So you got to the ideas and then there is this concept of a well-chosen path of you build an MVP, then you sort of get feedback from customers and then hopefully you achieve a product market fit. Is that the, the route you, ch you chose or did you sort of go and do something different? You know, when you have a product that has a good fit, when clients are willing to pay for it. Initially, in the first years of dot compliance, we were bootstrapping. And with this bootstrap mentality, you are always using the experiences that you have or the projects that you do in order to gradually build a solution. And this solution is, in many cases, influenced by the clients that really want to have specific features or functions. The, the ability to, you know, to generalize the different requirements coming from different clients into something that is consistent and coherent, that's the secret source of any good product company. So it's like listening on one way, but also knowing what building you want to build. And how did you know when your MVP is good enough? Because, you know, there is this debate about perfection sometimes is the enemy of good. When is that line and how did you know that actually I, I've got an MVP, I've got something good enough, I should go and launch now? By nature, uh, I like to experiment. Uh, I'm not so much of an optimizer and it's, and it's okay to fail, right? It's okay to fail. As long as you fail fast, you learn from what, you know, from a failure. You know, it's, it did, it, it's not that I knew in advance all of the answers. That's 
that's probably somebody else in a different story. <laughs> I was failing and I was trying again and, and figuring out what worked and what didn't. It's a journey and, and there's, uh, you know, you, sometimes you, uh, you move fast forward, sometimes you are stopped and, and uh, you hit a block and you need to find a way around it. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's, there's one right answer there. No, I don't think there is actually. And, and funny enough, yesterday I was uh, I was talking with a, a cohort of about I think there was about forty or fifty entrepreneurs that were really early on in their journey. And I think uh, we had uh, one of the previous uh, person on the podcast, Dominic Donardo, was talking about the fact that as an entrepreneur, the biggest advice they can give you is the fact that if you think you've done enough, there's never enough. There's always something else. You know, there's always another way around. Would you agree with that? Do you need that level of stamina? to sort of sustain the, the failure and the high and the lows? Yes, you have to be resilient. Yeah, there's, there's a term that I really like, grit. The ability to be resistant, yet you know, and it's really important uh, along the way, there will be many reasons that uh, a normal, you know, uh, a person will say, oh, you know, it's not working. Let's find something else to do. But but it only works if, you you know, if you are consistent and you keep moving on. And you have to have some belief, right? You have to, to like what you do. You, like, you have to enjoy the journey. Otherwise, those obstacles will, it will take you off the road very quickly. And again, th th this is something that each, each entrepreneur needs to look inside themselves and see that this works, you know, with their family, with their economic situation, with the risks that they're willing to take. You have to do that. And it's, um, you know, and it's good that my wife, uh, Ina, who uh, was supporting me along the way, you know, she was willing to hear those nonsense again and again and, and still support that. And, you know, that was, this is also important to, to get the, your family support, your friend support, the employees or the, the people that work in the company. You need to convince them that, uh, that we are going in the right, in the right direction. And that is the best thing for them to, you know, to invest their talents in building dot compliance to be a market leader. So what motivates you? Because, I mean, two questions here. There is, you said that's your fifth, your fifth company. So think back about the first time you did it. And then now think back about what you did with dot. Did you do anything different every time? Or is there like a constant amount of common ingredients that actually makes you the successful entrepreneurs that you are? Well, I think I, I, initially I failed a lot. So, you know, it's, I have to say, uh, my first business was not a good business. It was, you know, not succeeding as, as I wanted. And I failed again. And, and, and I still don't consider myself, you know, that successful. Yeah. You, you look at different, uh, examples in the world. There's still a lot of room to grow and to learn. It's, uh, I'm still in a bit. In the beginning of the you know of the journey, but but again, it's it's there are some common dominators. The idea that that you can find a solution to a problem, right? That there is a gap there, and whether it's a technological gap, whether it's a, a business gap, or 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 other types of gaps, and to find your unique answer that can deal with that problem. I guess it's always about finding the problem that you want to solve. And how did you do that? You know, I guess I'm just trying to think back. I have a blank sheet of paper. I think I've got a good idea. Where do I start? What would you be, you know, the first two or three steps to get to that validation element? So first, talk about it. Talk with anyone you can as an entrepreneur. The idea itself is not a big secret that you need to protect. The idea is something that you need to share with others in order to improve. 
And initially, you know, oh, I got this great idea. I have to keep it for myself until I develop that. That's not working for in, in most of the cases. And you really need to uh, figure out who are the people that, that have maybe a different point of view than what you have and that could share their, their insight with you. Let's say with dot compliance, the first year that I, you know, I was developing the product, I met with over 300 potential clients. And, you know, it's, it's 300 meetings. It's like every day go and, and, and listen and listen and listen. And very rarely you get a yes. Yes, we need it. Yes, it could work for us. And still continue to be motivated by the interaction, by the things that you learned from this journey. It's not just the goal. It's, 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 it's a journey. That's really it. That's the way of life, isn't it? It's that to be able to sustain the, the feedback, I think. And I guess there's always an element of how you keep yourself motivated. So who inspires you? You know, who keeps you motivated in that journey? There's different people. And it, this is like, uh, in real life, I have a, a close network of other CEOs and founders that I speak with, you know, and this is like, it's not a club, but it, there's, you know, there's other people that I consult with and they, they share the same point of view. And it's really giving a lot of uh, value back to me, you know, and say, okay, how did you solve this? And, you know, these are things that, that within, within the network that you build along the journey, right? <laughs> this, these are the people that can help you, that can share with you. And being an entrepreneur and, and I'm, a, you know, you know, or CEO, it's a very lonely position for, you know, most, most of the time. So you have to, you have to have your peers. You have to have your, your network to call in the end of the day. I don't get it. They, you know, this is not working. What do you think? And all together, you find out some, some ideas that could work. And even if you don't find the ideas, you, you find people that share the same life experience. Some, and small little life hacks that may get you to where you want to be. You mentioned at the beginning that you were sort of bootstrapping and, and stuff. So at what point did you look for sort of funding for um, the company? And, and how did that experience go for you, sort of looking for investors? So looking for investors is an ongoing task, right? It's not never stops. The reason why a company that started as a bootstrap will go to, uh, to an investment path. And at the time that I was looking for investment, we were balanced making enough money to, to keep the business as it is. And, you know, in a bootstrap, in order to grow, you just optimize somewhere between the revenues and the growth. And I saw that there is a greater opportunity. And in order to re really realize this opportunity, I need the funding and I need the access. And, you know, when you get the right investors, then you also get access to a network. And... I think it was a journey that, uh, in the end of the day, I, you know, you find the, the right uh, VC and you find the partners that you have basically share some. In my in my case, it was it was lucky, and I found uh, an investor that shared you know similar values and work ethics. And when I talked with other entrepreneurs that knew them at the time, say yes, this you know you can work with them, and they listen. And that was, uh, for me, really uh, uh, an opportunity to take the, the vision and the dream that I have and, and, and scale up. That's why you take uh, VC money. And then, and then there is a little, a little change in the paradigm. Now you have to really work hard to move fast. There's more pressure. 
<laughs> you know, and then you go to the next round and then you go to the next round. So in essence, it's, it's just at some point you need partners to realize the opportunity. And this is why venture capitalists and, and, and funds are, are needed. Yeah, and no, I agree. I think they're, they're means to an end for sure. But I think one of the themes we heard over the previous sort of season is the, the need to have completely a, a clear alignment of values. I think you use that word yourself. And I think it's good to hear that there is that consistent theme that seems to be come across to say they're going to be such an intrinsic part of the business and such a, an influence voice in the board that you need to make sure that you align yourself with someone that's going to, A, going to be there for the long haul and to understand and, and share that vision for you. But actually the flip side of this, obviously being Israel being such a, a buoyant market for startups, do you think there's a, like a harder competition to get VC money? in Israel than in the other region? I don't know, really. I think it's, um, the competition is with, uh, you know, investment preference, right? There was time that cybersecurity, it's always also these days, right? Cybersecurity, uh, you know, investments are really uh, popular. There's maybe uh, Bitcoin investments are uh, popular at some time and there's different trends and being a, a bootstrap company by origin and working in a, Let's face it, it's really boring. Quality and compliance, guys, this is not something that you write home about in terms of uh, uh, venture capital, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a boring business in a way, but in the end of the day, it's a good business and there's a lot of place for being innovative. But sometimes the lack of, uh, you know, fame and, and, and glory in that area, it's, it, it's something that uh, when you raise funding, it's, it's uh, always a challenge, you know. It's not that I'm going to create a very simple application that with whatever 120 characters could change the social media, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that But way. All, we all started somewhere. We all started somewhere, right? You know, I think some of them were probably a bit uh, sexier from the off, but I think, uh, I think what's really important is what business problem you're solving for customers. And I think, you know, with, with that, you certainly seem to find a a very strong recipe for sort of solving some critical piece of the process, which actually makes a difference to someone's life, you know, at the end of the day, which I think, uh, so I think don't over, um, probably underestimate, I think, the value that you do. Back to the, the competitive side of the house, so, you know, how do you attract talent, I guess, at some sort of closing thoughts in, you talk about your boring business, I disagree greatly, but I'll reuse some of your words. How do you attract talents in such a competitive market these days? So first, uh, I think it's, uh, it's about building a network. We have several channels to attract uh, A players and, uh, you know, knowing people and, and, you know, talking with clients, you know, so we have people that work for a client company that joined us after they saw the solution and what, what it could do. We have people that, uh, you know, in my previous life experience, I worked with and uh, joined me. And there are people that are part of the network of our employees, part of the values that we talked about. We should give opportunity to everybody to realize their potential. We should judge by, you know, objective criteria. And, and it's really important, you know, people know when you treat them right. And they know that they are empowered to treat our clients right. If, there is a, if they have a doubt, they need to follow their moral compass. And this is, this is important. And they are allowed to make mistakes. They are allowed to experiment. And we invest a lot of time in educating them about the industry, about the technology. So there's, there's also a, a journey of learning and improving your personal skills. And that also counts. And 
it's, I would say, regardless of the objective state, this is something that I set as a goal to make it enjoyable, to make it productive, to make it something that you feel proud to tell your friends that you work for a company called Dot. You're right. I think those those core values, I think, both in terms of who you invest with, but also how you treat people, I think, are often the differentiator between a, a good company and a great company. I think in being able to maintain that culture along the way, I think is probably a challenge faced with, with every entrepreneur. Um, so as your sort of final question, what would be your number one tip, or if you've got more than one, for our listeners out there, uh, if they're looking to start up a business? First, you need to have the passion. You know, you need to be able to imagine yourself solving this problem that you just identified in the next 10 years or more. If, it's, if you think about it and you don't like it, or you don't think it's, it's what you're going to spend, that you're willing to spend the next 10 years doing, then maybe it's not the right idea for you. And now that you, are, that you feel right about the passion, then plan and improve, meaning it's all about details, about the ability to execute, listen, talk with other people, get their feedback, improve your, your idea, your concept, your meaningful product offering. And, and then if you do that uh, consistently and put all of your uh, passion into it, there's a good chance that even if it would succeed or you know, uh, enormously succeed financially, regardless of that, you will enjoy the journey. So, you, you know, it's, it's, that's really important. You know, if, if you think that uh, all of uh, what you're doing is based on the outcome, it won't work because nobody knows what will the outcome will be. You know, you need to be prepared to fail, maybe immediately, maybe later on. But as long as you do the right things that you, that you really believe, that you really like to do, then that could work as, as, as a lifestyle. Listen, Doran, thank you so, so much for your time today. Uh, thank you for joining us for the third episode of season number two. If you have any questions or topics you want to hear more about, tweet us at AppExchange. I'll be back soon with some more insights from founders, so make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Until then, goodbye.